Well, our names are Teresa and Gumby. Welcome to Escaping Society. We wrote our own song so we wouldn't have to pay for anyone else's copyright infringement. And we live in a van and we eat from the trash, making this podcast open for cash. You better listen up because we probably won't last because we can't compete with nonsense. Hypnotizing nonsense. Oh, society sucks and we don't need it. It's killing your kids, so why do you feed it? They'll tell you to stay, but you don't need to heed it. You can give them the finger. There's no time to linger. So, thank you for listening to our song. It's not very good and it went kind of long. Don't care if you like it, cause we'll be gone. Over that next horizon. We ain't got no Okay, this is Gumby and Teresa, and we are here to talk about living out of a vehicle. Um, for us specifically, it's van life. We have a van, but um, I guess I'll start. Um, the first time I looked out of a vehicle was when I was in my late teens, and my dad had recently um, gotten sick with lung cancer, and he was in the hospital, and it was just me and my mom, and my mom has never... Um, like, she was going through a whole bunch of stuff, and we didn't pay the bills. And anyway, we got kicked out of where we were living, and we both wound up living in our respective cars. I had a Toyota Corolla, I believe. It's either a Corolla or a Celica. But it was blue, and I painted a white yin symbol on the back end, on the back side of one end, and a black yang symbol on the other side of the back end. I painted the roof black and had a white anarchy symbol on it, and I had a big white onk painted on the hood. So it was kind of a loud-looking car. It was a car that got attention. Um, and I wound up living out of that. And I learned a little bit. Um, you know, I just kind of drifted around, parked where I could. Every now and then I'd have a, a dog with me, and then I'd find a new home for the dog. And um, things were just pretty crazy back then. Uh, I had a job at a pipe manufacturing plant, and I was smoking a lot of marijuana then. And there were these two temps, uh, temporary guys that started working there. And I offered to smoke a joint with them at lunch. And smoked a joint with them, and then I went and had my lunch, and my car broke down. I was having a lot of alternator trouble. So this car taught me a lot about working on alternators. I replaced the alternator. I lost count how many times, but it seemed like I was always working on that. And when I came back, the guy was gone, the two guys I smoked weed with. Well, that night, I get done with all my little errands and everything, and I pull into a hotel. I see a parking lot there and figure I can get away with sleeping there and nobody will notice me. I'm just settling down. I recline the seat, and I had bought these big, cheap, fuzzy seat covers and all nestled in. And suddenly I start hearing this pop, 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 and glass is flying everywhere. And, uh... I don't know if I'm getting shot at or what's going on. And finally it stops, and I look up, and all my windows are busted out, and the guy's running back towards the hotel. And I had a big hammer, a big California framer in the car with me. I grabbed that and went running after him and uh, went up to the motel room. He shut the door, and I started banging on the motel room. And I managed to see inside through the curtain, and it's the guy I smoked a joint with um, at lunch at the place I work. Well, anyway... 
the cops get called, nothing really gets done, I get a ride home, and that was the end of uh, that living out of my car. And it turns out the reason why the guy busted my cars out was he just got out of prison for killing his brother. I didn't know that. He was mentally unstable. He started having a really bad experience after I smoked weed with him and uh, thought when I didn't return for lunch that it was some kind of weird trick I played on him. So to get back at me, he busted out all the windows of my car. Um, but anyway, I learned a lot about sharing my marijuana with strangers, and that was the end of that episode of Living Out of My Car. Many years later, um, you know, I'd been an outdoor educator for a while. I broke up with my girlfriend, and everything just kind of fell apart, and I found myself living out of my car with the dog I currently have with me now, Sherlock. He was a puppy. And I learned a lot more about living out of my car. I had intense social anxiety at that time. I couldn't be around people. So I was just eating what I could find in dumpsters and scavenging. Um, I couldn't make money. I couldn't work. I was a teacher at the time, so of all things, I couldn't be in front of a group of people. It even made me nervous to drive. I could, If I came to a stoplight, I could feel the people around me, and I felt like I might pass out. I'd get dizzy. Um, so I just poured myself into reading Buddhist books. That really calmed me, the whole idea of acceptance and, you know, the the non-attachment and the whole Buddhist philosophy. I just ate it up, and it was very therapeutic for me, and especially the meditations. I had all this time since I wasn't working, so I meditated like three times a day, and uh, it didn't make the anxiety go away, but it helped me kind of come to terms with it and exist with it. Um, well, yeah, I couldn't make money, and even if I had the money, I couldn't spend it, so it was pretty much dumpsters, and that's when I learned how much food you can actually get out of dumpsters. Um, I carried around a box of food in my car. I learned to take it out once a day in a park and go through it. Anything that's going bad, get rid of it. Um, I knew more food was coming because there's so much food that gets wasted in this country. And, yeah, that was food management. I made my first hobo stove out of a coffee can. I'd cook that. I'd get that fired up in a park and make my coffee sometimes. Um, and I learned a lot about space management. I had everything I owned in that car, so there was just enough space for me to drive and for Sherlock to be sitting behind me, and at nighttime, I had to shuffle everything around and make a space for him in the, on the passenger side of the back seat so I could recline the seat and sleep. Um, so it was a constant shuffle, but it became a system and a routine, and it wasn't bad. It was pretty doable, um, and I did that for a while until a person took a wrong turn and hit my car and I got in a rack and it totaled the car and I wound up uh, renting a room someplace and just kind of, you know, letting go of living out of my car. Um, but that was a very instructive time and I look at it as a very good time. Um, not being able to work, I kind of relinquished all of my... Uh, ambitions. I thought this was kind of the end of me. I had this anxiety. I had to decide whether I was going to fight it or accept it. And, you know, through reading a lot of this Buddhist literature, it allowed me to ask the question, should I be a person without anxiety? I think we're taught in our culture if something goes wrong, and I say that with little quotey fingers, um, that we need to fix it. We need to get back into the workforce. We need to be whoever we thought we were before, whatever role that was. 
and I identified as a teacher. I took great pride in that. So if I wasn't a teacher, I didn't know who I was. Um, and it was very interesting to have faith in the anxiety, like maybe this was something that was supposed to happen, and just to kind of follow that and see where it went. And I feel like that was a path I definitely don't regret taking. Um, but yeah, it was a time living out of my car that I really enjoyed, traveled around. I'd get showers by visiting people. I was dating a lot back then, so um, I'd visit like women that I knew and you know, get a shower there and spend some time with them, and it was just an excuse to socialize um, with what little I could. I was pretty good with one-on-one -on -one people, but not groups of people. So that leads us to now. Um, Teresa and I were dating for a while and uh, were trying different things, among them hitchhiking. And on one of our adventures, we're out hitchhiking and we're reflecting, like, why are we heading back? You know, the possibility seemed really real all of a sudden that we could just keep on going. It was a gratifying way of life to wake up in the morning and just feel like you're on this adventure. Life felt interesting again. It felt adventurous. And was it really so important to go back to the, the trailer that we were sharing? Um, we liked it. There was a nice yard, and we really enjoyed being there, but it was kind of like a waiting room in a way. Like, it's a place you go, and you start, you just kind of hang out there until you decide to go on another adventure, something more meaningful. So why not just fill your life with all the things that are meaningful? So, um... We questioned the whole idea home. Do we need a home? Do we need this thing that causes us to feel like we need money? And the money causes us to feel like we need to join the workforce, which we were questioning. You know, do we want to do things to support society, um, to be a part of this whole vast machinery? So with that idea, we tried some things, including building a little tiny house in the backyard out of a chicken coop. It was an old abandoned chicken coop and a garden shed, and we just started scavenging stuff. And we turned it into a tiny house with big porches, added windows, um, made a bed, just all kinds of stuff, and it was really cozy. And But, of course, we still had to pay the bills to live in that trailer. So um, that evolved into the idea of let's buy a van. Uh, we had a woman renting a room in the trailer with us who was older and she's was retiring and she decided to live in a van so watching her prepare for that gave us a lot of ideas um, and we did a lot of shopping around and I'll let Teresa take this part of the story because she did a lot of the research for why and why we bought what we did and that part of it so Teresa uh, one of the main concerns that you might think about when you're purchasing a vehicle to also live out of is um, not just space but like fuel economy so we first started looking at models of vehicles that were I mean just realistically they were too small but just to see if it would work since Gumby had uh, previously lived out of just regular like compact cars so the first um, couple models of cars that we looked at were um, a Toyota Matrix or Pontiac Vibe, um, a Kia Rondo, and we also looked at um, station wagons like Subarus and all that. But 
What we discovered was the size of a regular, just like soccer mom minivan, is about the smallest that you can get away with for the amount of space that two adults and a, a like 80, 90 pound dog need. Um, and we decided on the Toyota Sienna um, because Gumby and I had uh, relatively good experiences with Toyotas. They're known for being quite reliable and just like maintain the oil and um, they keep running like for a long time. <laughs> So the Toyota Sienna that we found, um, we found it on Craigslist, and it happened to be within, like, 50 miles of where we live at, so that was helpful. And we got it for 5000 bucks. It's a 2006 Toyota Sienna. I think it had about 122,000, miles on it, so it had definitely been broken in, um, used, I think, just by one family, so the original owner. And, um, it was, you know, it's got like stickers on it and it's kind of dinged up a little here and there, but it's just, it runs. Um, we haven't had any, anything major with it. We've like replaced some tires and stuff, but, uh, other than that, it's been a really good vehicle thus far. So those were the makes and models of what we looked at and why we decided the minivan. Um, if, you know, if you happen to be looking on Craigslist, you could search throughout the entire country um, just to see what's out there. But we just decided, even though we could drive to California or somewhere, you know, wild and take a road trip or hitchhike out there to get the vehicle, why not first take a look within our own, like, metropolitan whatever area? So definitely use Craigslist. Um, and... The vehicle was listed for 5800 but we talked him down to 5000 so that was pretty good. Um, and he was a real nice guy. So that is the make and model and kind of the history. And, yeah, and one of the reasons, like, to add to why this vehicle, um, we run into people that are, you know, a lot of old-timers especially, that are like, yeah, someday I'm going to retire and I'm going to get an RV. And yeah, an RV is big and nice, no doubt. You got your little, I mean, some of them have a little bathroom and a kitchen, but it looks like you're living in a vehicle. Like, unless you're planning on paying for RV parks, um, and that that's a thing with us, is we are trying to see if we can get away with spending no money. So whenever we can do something for free, we do that. And we knew that when we moved into this van, we wanted to find places to park it that we could be at for free. So... A Toyota Sienna is big enough to live in, to sleep in, to store stuff if you're really careful and disciplined, and it's camouflage. It looks just like every other vehicle out there. Um, you know, we park it in places in a Walmart parking lot or wherever, you know, and it looks like it fits in the row of cars. You know, it's just easy to overlook unless you have a reason to look for it. So that's something to think about when you're getting a vehicle. Um, I was concerned with gas mileage. Like I said, I lived out of two cars. Both of them were Toyotas. And I was thinking a van would be excessive, and I wasn't crazy about paying for the extra gas mileage. But Teresa and I actually take turns filling up the gas tank in this, this van, and I've been impressed with the gas mileage. Um, it doesn't feel like it swallows a lot of gas. We try to be very conservative with it. Whatever we have to do, we think of like what else we can do. For instance, I check dumpsters on the way to wherever we go. We think about, you know, what else is on this route. Um, how much can we accomplish with this one trip whenever we have to take a trip? 
So by doing that, our gas stretches pretty well. Um, yeah, so that's been been good with the 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 van. Um, privacy was a big thing. At first, I didn't think it was that important. Um, lights don't keep me up, so if we're in a parking lot, like we go to, you know, Walmart is a well-known parking lot where I've heard mixed reviews. A lot of people say, oh, yeah, you can park there all the time. We've never had a problem personally, but we don't park in Walmarts all the time. Um, I've heard other people say they've gotten run out of Walmart parking lots. But anyway, the lights. A lot of places you park a van or a vehicle when you live in it have lights, and that keeps some people up. And Teresa's one of those people that it really bothers her. I can ignore it pretty well. So she was kind of the uh, pressing the idea of curtains. And it took us a long time to figure out how to get curtains in this. It seems like, you know, if you haven't tried it, like, oh, yeah, curtains, you know, I'll figure out something. But when you start really looking, like, how those curtains are going to go, it can be more complicated than you think. Um, we use the, the handles on the, the tops of the door. Those little, I call them oh shit handles, but the little handles like right over the windows and tied some strong cordage to it. And we took the curtains from the house and just kind of mixed and matched. I'd already sort of uh, messed with them a little bit myself to sew them to fit the trailer. So we saw which belongs where and put the curtains up. And it made a huge difference. It gives you a feeling of privacy. Um, some people really are big fans of the blackout curtains. We didn't do the blackout curtains, um, but I don't really feel like we need them. Uh, the windows are already a little bit tinted the way we bought the van, so add the curtains to it, and it's really easy to overlook that there are curtains here. It doesn't seem obvious that there's people in here with curtains unless you get right up to it. Um, so the curtains add a feeling of hominess, they add privacy, and psychologically that is so important because that's one of the big differences between home living, like your, your house, and moving into a vehicle is privacy. Um, you don't feel like you're in your own little space that if anybody shows up, you call the cops and it's protected for you. You are the one kind of like the pirate, you know, kind of going in places that somebody else could call the cops on you. So you got to think differently. And curtains are huge for that. Um, any other things you want to talk about as far as the difference between like living in a house and living in a vehicle, Teresa, or anything else for that matter? Oh, or the uh, accessories. Yeah, I mean, there's so many, there are many different differences of living in a home. Like we were talking about before we started this, like the bathrooms. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you can't just run down the hall if you got diarrhea. <laughs> like you got to be strategic with your bathroom plans. Yeah, and bathing, just like anything related to the bathroom, um, as well as your kitchen. So you're going to be either eating a lot of prepared foods that maybe you find at food pantries or dumpsters or finding a way to heat up your food and be in a park. So um, Gumby has made this contraption called a hobo stove, um, which I'm sure we'll have a video about um, on the YouTube channel. Um, we've both made these small buddy burners that are kind of like sterno burners, but do it yourself uh, from stuff that you could find virtually behind like any store and any garbage can um, and then we also happened to have a like one burner Coleman stove that you just like screw onto the top of a propane 
canister, and we actually found a propane canister the other day. So, <laughs> like, relatively full. So these things happen, and if you're a scavenger and you got the eye for it, um, it can improve your life. So, you know, anything from boiling water to finding a bathroom uh, to use is it's different. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's impossible. It just takes some planning. Uh, and once you get used to that pattern of, like, looking for your resources wherever you're at, then you, like you're pretty good like you do start to feel like the world is your home yeah and wherever you're at when Teresa says we found a canister of fuel we're not talking about a dumpster this was just sitting at a park like on top of a a map of the park you know and just noticing things like isn't that a fuel canister and then like not just thinking oh it must be empty but actually looking just in case and you may be surprised at how often it is something useful how it gets there who knows but these things happen routinely we find perfectly good things all over the place. Um, some accessories. So we mentioned the curtains. Um, one of those cargo boxes. We looked into this and, you know, I was playing with the idea of, what do you call the bag? A cargo bag. Well, the, yeah, there's like a cargo bag, a soft thing you can put up there, and then the cargo box, which is the hard plastic thing. Um, the cargo boxes, brand new, can run like 250 or more bucks. They can be really expensive. So I was definitely leaning towards, I mean, I don't like spending money on anything. So if I was going to spend money on something, let's go the, the cheapest thing. But it sounded like that doesn't shed water as well as the hard plastic cargo box. And if it doesn't do that, that's the whole point of it. And to make space so we can keep stuff dry. Uh, for instance, I had a guitar and I didn't know where I was going to stick that in the van. The cargo box was the thing that enables me to carry this guitar around. Teresa is a really good researcher, went online and ended up finding one for 40 bucks. So we split the price of that and now we've got this cargo box and I'm so glad we've got it. It makes room, it keeps things dry, um, it's just a really good accessory. Is there another accessory you want to mention? Uh, yeah, the, we have recently added rain deflectors or rain guards or in-channel rain deflectors you'll you'll run across a bunch of names for them for shedding water um, off of the windows when it's raining and that was really important to us because we have a dog and if we are like leaving him in the van for any amount of time we want to make sure that he's got air um, fresh air coming through so the rain deflectors allow us to keep the windows open at least like an inch or so, um, even if it's pouring down rain. And also at night, like it can get really stuffy sleeping in the van. Um, it's May, what, 12th in North Carolina in the mountains. And it was like starting to get pretty stuffy last night and it was raining. So we were able to keep the windows open a crack at least. And that little bit of night air creeping in um, without the rain coming in was really helpful in keeping comfortable. Yeah, and those rain guards, um, I highly recommend them because that the difference between having your windows open a crack and having them closed all the way is significant on a warm night. Oh, and I'll say this. Um, like Gumby mentioned, we don't really like to spend money on stuff, but I like to find the best deal on something. So... We had um, looked at different rain guards at stores, like Advanced Auto Part, AutoZone, etc. And they were going to run about $60. But I went on eBay and 
ordered them for like 22 bucks and they're the same kind that they carry at Walmart so if you happen to have a Walmart that has them in the store you could look there they're LT Sport brand um, a lot of people like recommended different ones some recommended the in-channel ones like WeatherTech and those are the more expensive like $60 ones but we've found that these are pretty decent thus far and um, because we don't have uh, like a permanent address where we're staying at right now we just sent them to the post office in town um, general delivery care of our name which ended up being really easy who knew <laughs> so you can you can just send them to the local post office and then you know they'll send you an email when the item has shipped so you can go pick them up from the post office doesn't cost you anything extra you don't have to like have a friend or family member mail you something from your address. Oh, and another thing about us that may make this story make more sense is we don't have phones. So in lieu of us not wanting to spend money, we started looking at this phone bill a while back, and Teresa got rid of her phone first, and then I got rid of mine, and we just decided sure. we don't really need this bill. And um, so our technology is all like Teresa has a beat-up laptop, I just asked online, does anybody have any technology they don't want? And I ended up getting two iPads and a laptop myself um, for either trading, like the laptop I traded some beer I found in a dumpster for it, and the iPad, one I just got for free, guy didn't want it, and the other one I had to stack wood for um, this family's campfire in their backyard for an hour, and they gave me an iPad in return for it. So that's why we... You know, you might say, well, why don't you just use a smartphone for some app? Well, we don't even know that thing exists. We don't have phones. So that's one of the reasons why we do things the way we do. Um, I wasn't sure how to install these weather guards, so Teresa found some really awesome automotive tape in a dumpster and was smart enough to hold on to it, and lo and behold, <laughs> it's been very useful. We've used that quite a bit. Um, anything else on the rain guards or accessories? Um... I guess I'll give a shout out for the uh, the cargo box. It's one of those I don't know how you pronounce it T H U L E like tool or tooly. They're really expensive. REI sells them for like 400, 600 bucks. Ours is a 13 cubic foot um, cargo box that this guy, this like crazy guy had. <laughs> yeah, but he was crazy. I believe I got that from. I think it was the website, oh shoot, I think it was offerup.com. Um, check that out. And then Gumby was talking about our, like, asking for stuff. And he got his iPads and laptop off of nextdoor.com. So we happened to be able to use Nextdoor because we still had a, um, a physical address from living in the trailer. But if you even have, like, a friend or family member that you could get on their um, internet, use their address, check out nextdoor.com. It's like a local Facebook. And you could just ask, and people will give stuff. And for that matter, Facebook is a really good resource, or it can be, um, for local groups that are, like, uh, swapping items or just outright giving items. So just ask and see what you can get. If there's a legitimate need, people are like getting rid of their technology and like getting rid of things that are like really expensive stuff, but they just don't need it. So that's awesome. 
Yeah, and something else, like if it's, uh, if you've got the patience and you're a scavenger, you just check dumpsters, you check, you know, things you see on the side of the road. It's shocking the things that you will find and the timing of it. Like if you don't believe in, I don't even know what to call it. We call, we call it Oscar. We say Oscar the Grouch is the patron saint of dumpster divers. <laughs> so Oscar provides us with all kinds of crazy stuff and the timing is just... I don't know what the odds are. Like, we found seat covers. Dumpster full of seat covers. Steering wheel cover. Um, one of those visor pockets, like, with the zippers and everything. Like, just everything we needed to outfit this van just sitting in a dumpster. Um, <laughs> and I'm so glad I didn't get impatient and decide, well, I want it now. You know, like the little girl from Willy Wonka. Um, because we would have spent money on it and then found all this free stuff and, like, felt really stupid. So we've got... So much awesome stuff that we found for free. And then if you start looking, like, at Pinterest, um, things like that, and get ideas, you can use the stuff you're finding for free in different ways. For instance, we've got these, uh, what would you call those, cubbies? Yeah. Yeah, kind of cubbies. Storage boxes that are milk crates that are strapped together with zip ties, also that we scavenged um, the zip ties. So all that was free. Um, we've taken the seats out of the van. I've left one, the passenger, furthest back seat that folds down into the floor just in case we ever need it. Um, the other seat I took out and that left a big, uh, crevice, a big, like, hole in the floor where the seat used to be. So I've got six milk crates zip-tied together, two facing towards the front of the van at the bottom, and then two stacked on top of those zip tied together facing towards the back of the van and then two more on top of those facing the back of the van and then I stick my toolbox in the bottom one to stabilize everything but that's been a huge thing I keep all of Sherlock's dog stuff we keep our cookware I keep all my clothes we keep our tools we even use the little one in the bottom for a bookshelf (laughs) um, which is a really nifty place to put our books so that's been a real uh, a real good thing um, and that's another difference between having a house. You have a house, you've got all this space, and you tend to, because you have space, a lot of us fill it with crap. Um, seems like kind of a natural thing to do. You've got space, you find stuff. It might be useful, it might not. Maybe it'll be useful to somebody else. Maybe it'll be useful to you down the road, so stick it in a room. And we just fill up our houses. But with a van, you don't have that luxury. You've got to really pick and choose what you keep. So any little way you can increase your space without going crazy and without looking like your your van becomes like the bag lady's cart, you know, where you're <laughs> obviously living out of your van, um, is a good thing. And I can't stress enough, and I already said it, but keeping a low profile. The cargo box, for instance. Before the cargo box, I had stuff bungeed. And bungees are a huge thing. Always keep bungees. Bungees are endlessly useful. Um, but I had stuff bungeed to the front, the top of the van. Which was okay, it worked, but it also looks a little strange. The cargo box looks like every other middle-class person out there with a minivan that's maybe taking a little trip. So it actually helps us blend in more, aside from being a really handy thing. So that was a really good move. Um, and jump in there, Teresa, if I'm forgetting anything or if you... Well, can we go, can we move on to that? So along with like paring down your items, your possessions, and just really keeping things organized, like having a space for everything, 
a designated space and um, going through those things once a month. Like we'll have uh, additional like information podcasts and YouTube videos on what we do uh, once a month. But just to kind of mention like going through all of our items at the first of the month, cleaning out the van, and then each month um, Gumby's decided like each month we'll do something for the van. So whether that is the oil change or getting the rain guard, rain deflectors, or getting the cargo box, like do one thing a month. And that will enable you to like definitely save some money so you're not just blowing all your money at once on the van and everything that you need for it. And it also kind of gives you like priorities. What do you really need this you know, immediately this month, or maybe that could be something that waits for later on down the line. Yeah, and preventative maintenance. Like, I'm hoping that by noticing, like, you know, for instance, a belt that squeaks, um, by replacing that, you know, getting on that, doing that one thing a month, that <clears throat> I'll be less likely to break down somewhere. Um, that's another scary thing about living out of your vehicle, is if, you know, the power goes out in your house or something, you call the repairman, you know, you do without power for a while. Something goes wrong with your vehicle, that's your home. So, you know, you're kind of stuck. Um, so, yeah, you want to try to minimize that. But at the same time, if something does happen, um, you'll figure it out. You know, it's not like there's so many things. There's this <laughs> quote that I love from Tom Lehrer that says, bad weather always looks worse through a window. And I'd say that's true with van living, too. Like, when you're thinking about things... It's really easy to build up the anxiety and the fear, but then you do it and you discover, oh, I actually can think on my feet, and things tend to work out. It's not even just me. It's like, you know, Oscar giving us things in the dumpster. I mean, right when you need it, here comes, you know, Joe with the tow truck that just happens to be coming home from work, and, like, he knows exactly what's wrong with your van, and um, things have a way of working out, especially when you, you take a path with heart. Um, as, as they say in the Carlos Castaneda books, you know, follow that path with heart. And it really does seem to, to work out like that. Um, help shows up right when you need it. So another thing with van life is what to do. Uh, living in a house, most of us don't realize how busy we're kept with entertainment and chores. Um, if you clean your own house... Uh, you know, that takes a significant amount of time than washing the dishes. You know, you probably aren't just washing, like, one little set of dishes. Often dishes pile up. You've got all the household chores. And then, after that, you've got your entertainment system. You sit down, it's so easy to watch a DVD. Maybe two DVDs, two movies. Um, maybe you're into video games. All these things, they can be transferred to the van, but a van sort of lends itself, or any vehicle, to... I'd say less distractions. And at first that sounds like a good thing, and it is a good thing, but it doesn't come without its challenges. It can also be maddening. You don't realize that you might not be prepared for that. So what to do with your time in a van? What do you think, Teresa? What are some things you do with all this time you've gotten with the van? Well, you're, you're really good about coming up with routines we talked about that this morning like having some routines uh throughout every day can make you feel a little bit more like 
it's your regular home life that you've maybe moved on from. Um, so living in a van, like, we have kind of our routine and ritual in the morning, whether it's, like, getting coffee or making coffee, um, whether it's our meditation, and we do our exercises in the morning, um, like, all the way down to in the evening, like, doing a sit spot, um, again, kind of meditating with, with your senses, uh, completely open. So, I think, personally, I've enjoyed reading more, uh, I've enjoyed, um, starting my own exercise routine instead of uh, going to the gym and paying somebody to tell me what to do. That was very empowering. I just kind of realized that this morning. And um, and then like any chores that you do have in the van, um, just depending on where you're at, and I, I highly recommend finding a place where there's like a water source that's clean enough for you to bathe in and like do your laundry and wash your dishes in. I love doing those chores now because it feels like I'm just communing with the water. It doesn't feel like I'm standing over a sink and having to use soap and like taking all this time just to load the dishes into a machine. I mean, it doesn't take any time at all to just rinse the dishes off and you don't need soap. And it's just like, it's really enjoyable. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I lost my train of thought there, but, um, what do you like doing in the van? Like now that you're in the van? Well, I think the mindset of like being more on a pilgrimage. And what I mean by that is like more contemplative. Like for instance, I didn't meditate when I was, um, in my trailer in a house, there was so much other stuff to keep me distracted and busy out here without as many distractions. Um, I meditate, and I feel like I need to out here. It, it reminds me to self-reflect, maybe? It's a mindset that I feel like is much more fulfilling. Um, when I was in the house, like I said, it felt sort of like a waiting room. You know, I was always waiting for something to happen. I was saving up money for that next trip. I was uh, waiting for whatever. When I'm out here in the van, I'm not waiting anymore. I'm doing it. And what I realized is I never had to wait. What I was waiting for was myself to make the choice to do it. And I think the things I do, like Teresa mentioned, the reading, um, they just feel really enriching. You know, I've made time for the things that actually matter to me rather than just the things that kept me busy, you know. Um, yeah, and gosh, you said something that, like, sparked something I wanted to say <laughs> something about, and I lost it. But, uh, yeah, some pros and cons. Um, one of the things that got me thinking about a van in particular um, was the last time we went hitchhiking. Teresa and I lived in Durham, North Carolina, and the summers just are brutal, and they're getting worse. So this last summer, um, we did our summer camps, you know, working with the kids, and as soon as they were done, we were like, screw this, let's just take off and, like, go north until we run into cold weather, <laughs> and we decided to make an adventure, you know, let's just, like, stick our thumb out and start hitchhiking, let's see if we can do it, um, I recommend if you do something like that, if you can, have some money just in case, you know, like, we didn't need it, um, 
sometimes we got something to eat or whatever that did enrich the experience. But anyway, we got picked up by this one guy, and this was just south of Washington, D.C., and he had a van, and it was obvious he was sleeping in this van. And this guy picked us up, and as soon as he picks us up, it's, you know, there's a lot of smell of B.O. in the van and everything, but, you know, you're hitchhiking, you get your own B.O., so no problem. But he just starts popping pills as soon as, before he even gets back on the road. He's, like, slamming pills. He's like, oh, you know, don't worry about it, and ends up telling us that he's, what was it, bipolar? And yeah, he, was, he was having some issues. Yeah, the pills start kicking in, and he starts taking wrong turns, and I'm not sure about the etiquette of, like, how much I should correct him, or if he knows the route, I don't. And we wind up, like, all somewhere in the depths of Washington, D.C., and before I finally, you know, as cheerfully as I can offer to drive, like, oh, I can, I can drive a little bit if you'd like, and he's like, sure. So he just sort of passes out, and we take that minivan, and we make it up into Pennsylvania, but... Along the way, when he is uh, talking, he tells us his plan is to abandon the van when it runs out of gas and just start walking, and all he's got is a tarp. And so I'm trying to talk him out of it. I'm (laughs) saying, man, I don't think that's a good plan. You've got a huge resource here. This van, you can do all kinds of things. You know, it's a shelter. It's, It's all kinds of stuff. And you can get out if you run out of gas and don't have any other way to get money and panhandle. Sooner or later, you'll get enough money just to get to the next town. And I think in talking to him, I still don't know whether I convinced him or not, but I convinced me. So that's one of the things that was sitting in my head when I got home, like, wow, a van is a good resource. I'd say some cons about van life are because you have a thing, an object that is so important in your life, it also has that aspect of liability to it. There's a certain freedom in hitchhiking, especially when you have just figured out how to fold and tie up a tarp for your backpack, and, you know, you've got scavenged stuff that if you lose anything, you just replace it. There's a certain real freedom to that that um, I feel like you're kind of compromising with when you get a van. There's still a little bit of that attachment to stuff in a van the the same way you have when you have a house. So um, right now... I am really appreciative of this resource, and it has definitely increased my freedom. But I feel like I do need to, to say that, that um, there's a trade-off. You know, if you're already hitchhiking, um, if you're not sick of it yet, keep hitchhiking. Like, you'll know when it's time to maybe pull back and try something else for a while. And another reason we moved into this van is we wanted to simplify. We kind of did the math in an unofficial way and figured this is less impactful than living out of a house. Because in a house, of course, we had vehicles as well. So it cost us less, so we didn't have to work as much. And whatever job we do, you know, takes gas, takes whatever, you know, some kind of pull, some kind of draw on resources. And we're not paying a power bill. We're not using electricity except through the, the van, of course. Um, so it's not clean. It's not a clean break. I'm not saying, oh, we've, we've escaped society with our van. No, as long as we're in this van, we have not escaped society. But I feel like we're further along. Um, that's one of the reasons I'm in the van. Have you got any thoughts on that, Teresa? I, I, mean, I agree with everything that what, of what you said. And um, just like my personal quick uh, backstory with vehicle, like living in a vehicle. 
I always thought that I was going to get a, like a pickup truck and put a cap on the back of it and do that because that's what my uncle did. And he would live out of that for months at a time in the summer and then go back to his teaching job. Um, so that's kind of what I had in mind when I was thinking to myself, like, you know what? I think I could just live out of a vehicle. Um, but this minivan, to me, it's like, we call it the magic tent. It really is. Like, we sat in the parking lot of a mall, and it was like a rainy day, and we had a movie that we were able to rent free from the library um, in the city that we lived in. And I forgot that we were sitting in a van in the middle of a busy mall parking lot. So for me, like, there's so many there's so many pros to living in a van like you don't have the power bill you don't have to worry about like driving to get home because you're already home and (laughs) where we're parked right now I mean we're like right next to this community garden we're surrounded by mountains there's a nice breeze blowing through there's like puffy clouds in the sky a little bit of sun today and if I wanted to go to the mountains when I lived in the house it would be this huge ordeal And if we want to go somewhere now, we just, like, make sure the doors are closed and just turn the the van on and go. We don't have to think about packing stuff up. Everything we need is right here. And I remembered what I was, uh, what sparked um, my mind earlier was if you're living in a van, one of the beauties of having a truly mobile home is that you can travel, you know, like, if you lived here, you'd be home by now. So wherever we go, you know, we're, we're home. Like, after a while, the van, you know, you, you wrap your mind around it. Your van is your home. So, you know, you get tired, that same feeling you get when you're, like, out in the busy world and you come home and you're like, ah, you can unwind. You start feeling that with your van. And it's beautiful because your van is always right there. So you go to some festival, you don't have to drive, you know, an hour to get home. It's right there. Um, but we've been developing a strategy as we travel of resources. Um, like I said, we try to, we've got this whole routine and we're going to try to talk more about this in podcasts about specifically where to park. Um, but when you go into a new town, some things that are relevant, places to park, um, anything that's open 24 hours is an important thing to take note of. Um... Anything that has people, like regularly has strange cars that could be there overnight, um, that's a good place to take note of. So, you know, start thinking about that if you go into a strange town, you know. You could pay for a campsite. We try to go the free route, but I imagine campsites, if that's something you do, is is a fun thing to do. Um, Places to bathe. Parks. So we immediately start scoping out the parks. Um, what parks are dog friendly? I'm surprised how many do- how many parks are not. So that's something I've started looking for. Covered shelters. You know, I said we meditate, but even if we're not meditating, we're cooking dinner or whatever, getting out of the rain. It can be a hard thing to do in your van to make dinner or do anything active. So a park with a covered shelter that you can hang out at for long periods of the day is a hugely useful thing to know. Private places to swim. Often you can find a park that has a good place that you can duck under a bridge or someplace and find a really sweet little place to, like, really get clean and 
Um, and then have a covered shelter, have water, bathrooms, places to park near bathrooms. These are good things to know. Um, for us, places to use Wi-Fi. Malls are great. Malls often have Wi-Fi, um, and you can go in there even before the business is open. You got bathrooms, you got Wi-Fi, you can sit there. Nobody's giving you dirty looks like you're supposed to buy something because you're not actually in a store yet. Um, Starbucks recently had this whole thing about kicking people out, and then they had like employee training to um, teach people like to be tolerant. So Starbucks is kind of in a weird situation right now where they're not kicking anybody out. <laughs> so we can go in there and sit in there and like not buy a damn thing and just be on Wi-Fi as long as we want. And, you know, they're not kicking anybody out. So Starbucks is a good thing. Um, libraries. Libraries. Libraries are your friend. If you happen to be in a local area where you can have a library card, oh, that just increases the resources exponentially. But even without the library card, um, going into a strange town, find the library. You got a bathroom. You got a place to get out of the rain. You got a place that <clears throat> you can be in all day if you need it. You've got free computers. Um, not every library lets you use the computer if you don't have a library card, but a lot of them will. They'll give you a little guest card. And you've got Wi-Fi if you got your own technology, like my little iPad here, which is what we're using to record this. And they also often have activities. So um, if you can like figure out what type of activities they have, there's another resource for you to like have something to do. Yeah, back to what to do. Free activities. Like I've learned a lot about how to use computers and stuff just sitting in on their free uh, courses. Uh, knitting and crochet, stuff like that. Yoga. Um, these are things you typically see at libraries for free. And also festivals. Often you can get into festivals for free if you plan ahead a couple months and volunteer. You might get a really easy job, like just checking the trash. And for that, you know, you can be attend a festival. And <clears throat> we like to do this pepper fest where you get free samples. You know, it's just samples after samples of all the cool things people do with hot peppers. And we never pay to get in. We just volunteer. Um, any final thoughts on uh, our magic tent, our mobile home? I love it. I feel like it's done a lot for um, moving me forward in what I want. And that is namely like not having to work for uh, anyone really if I don't want to. It's that low impact of a, of a cost. And um, we do get to see all sorts of different things, whether it's like just a new town or beautiful like wilderness, wherever, um, we get to camp more, or at least feel like we're camping, like set up the hammocks somewhere, um, <coughs> bathe in like rivers and creeks. I mean, it's just, to me, it feels like what I wanted to do my, like, I, don't, I can't say my whole life, but like ever since I was probably like 25 or so. So that's been what, 13 years. 13 years of trying to figure out what to do, I finally figured it out. <laughs> yeah, and I called it the magic tent because it occurred to me laying in here one night that, you know, I've been in a lot of tents, and I'm not a big tent guy. I like hammocks. But, you know, what do you want out of a tent? You want it to shed water? You want it to give you privacy? You want it to keep you warm? 
and this van does it better than any tent I've ever been in. And the magic is that, imagine a tent that when you unzip the front door, it can be anything you want. It can be a mall with indoor plumbing and a food court, if that's what you're feeling you need right now. Or it can be a beautiful river. It can be a desert. This tent, you know, it's it can be anything you want out that front door in the morning. And that's what this van is like for me. Um, so, yeah, I definitely feel like it's a good move. Like any move, it's not without its challenges, so I don't want to over-romanticize it. Um, and, gosh, there's so many things to say about living out of a van. One last thing. <clears throat> Space. Uh, we talked about space, but an MP3 player. I was carrying around a little book of CDs, um, downloaded all that stuff on an MP3 player. Anything you can do to reduce space. You read a book, don't save it. Move it. You know, like we just read Carlos Castaneda, his second book, and we got done with it, moved it on. Um, and I've got all the things we've got are things that count. Like I've got a little light. That's an LED light, and I can clip it to a little shelf beside me here and read at night with the wind, the curtains closed. Um, so that's pretty sweet. So, yeah, I guess that does it for us. Um, please, if you have had any experiences living in a vehicle, we would love to hear about your experiences, especially things you've learned or just entertaining stories. And, um, yeah, if you have any questions, there's a lot we haven't covered, you know, things we don't think about unless somebody asks us a question. So please ask us a question, and we hope you tune back in as we talk about all the different ways that we're exploring and considering escaping society. So see you later.